0: Welcome, everybody, to episode one hundred and thirty-one of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Friday, that means once again we're here at the end of another week to give you all the MMA weekend preview. Dominic Salee. Mm. Before we get into the MMA,
1: yes, we gotta let
0: people know that uh, Stranger Things season four.
1: It's on its early. way back.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> it came a little early this year because uh, and it's actually airing in Dominic's backyard.
1: So yes, Dominic,
0: uh, uh, how you doing? Would you like to explain to the viewers?
1: I'm still not well. Um, so last <laughs> night, I, I like to call myself the pool boy, I guess, of the family, as we <laughs> know, we've documented this process of the family sure. pool. Sure, hundred uh, percent done. hundred yeah, percent done. done. And, and I now I wish it wasn't um, because <laughs> last night I was bored you know, just hanging out, just got done taking notes for the show. And I go out back to clean the pool, you know, get the leaves out. because so we've got trees in the back Ooh. and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm just doing what a good pool guy does. That's all. And, yeah. you know, there's a the skimmer is what they call it, where you, mm-hmm. you pull out the basket. That's where all the leaves are. They get sucked in so it doesn't keep the pool dirty. So I reach, well, first off, I pull the lid. Spider, the size of Alaska, crawling around right. inside of there. That, that was already a huge red flag. So, b- before I reach down in there, I find the handy-dandy hammer. I bring that over, whack the spider a few times, make sure I can get in safely. All right? So, well, unfortunately, actually, the spider just vanished. I don't really know what happened to it. I just know I connected with two clean shots of the hammer. You
0: either pulverized it to where it was nothing yes. or it somehow got away.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, so, I muster up enough might to then reach my hand deep into the depths and pull oh out God. the basket, right?
0: <laughs> this freaks me out just that
1: far. I'm really painting this picture. Here. <laughs> and I look in, because you have to go take it, dump the leaves out in the woods, you know. And there's this, like, blob. You guys ever seen the movie The Blob? Isn't that a movie from back in the day?
0: Okay. Uh, to me, it looked like a, like a miniature version of The Dirty Bubble.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's a good, yes. That is the perfect example. So I'm like, what the hell is this thing? That that's to keep it on the lighter side of curse words that were going on in my yeah, head. Right. So I take the hammer again. I give a little poke, and I'm like, it's like a squishy, hard shell kind of thing. <laughs> so then I I flip it over again with the hammer. I'm I ain't touching none of this stuff. <laughs> and there's a little, a little little hand you know what i actually have photo documentation the people on the audio platforms are like what is going on here right now a
0: literal mutant hand
1: i can't describe it good so i'm just going to show this picture uh this is graphic just i don't know Uh, if there's anyone out here that um that watches animal planet or anything tell us what that is that was in the skimmer basket Uh, So long story short, I find that I shit myself a couple times. I end up being able to go dump it out. And I find out from my uncle that it was possibly a unborn baby mole that somehow got its way into the pool, which then would have floated its way into the skimmer and then into the basket. Which apparently baby uh,
0: moles are born in in blobs.
1: Again, anyone can confirm this. Please do. (laughs) Um, So now I'm never swimming in the pool again until next year um so yeah that was my night last night it's much better tonight being in the studio noah did you have any run-ins with any uh creatures last night
0: no i can't say i did dominic okay. to be honest with you uh there's actually well you know what's oh actually there i guess there was a bit of a okay. something. okay so this is gonna <laughs> this is kind of funny actually this is coming up so I have you know the two bar stools that I that yes. I threw I threw a wad of hundreds at you. And yes, said, uh, your package Give me, meal. Give me your furniture. Yes. So I have those two bar stools you gave me. So I sit one out on. I don't know what to call. Like I call it like a porch, but like my. So whenever I talk about porch drinking, you guys, that's yes, that's at a different. That's at, That's not at my apartment. That's at like a friend's house who has like an actual. Normal porch. size porch, and it's a house. But at my apartment, you have like the four stairs that lead up to like a uh, a mini deck. porch or a a um, yeah, like a little patio. Yeah, something like that <laughs> that leads. You know what I mean? Like a platform yes. right there. Yes. So I'll sit that one of those bar stools out there throughout the day, and I'll just go sit out there because I think All it's right. nice. It's Just nice yeah. to just chill out there. Yeah. It's kind of shaded, you know, just chilling. Um, and, like, if I'm drinking with some friends, we'll go out there and people sit on the steps and stuff, and I'll just be on the bar barstool. Nice so, drink. last night, you know, last night, I couldn't sleep because of what Dominic had sent me <laughs> of that blob. So, I'm sitting out there, and I don't know why. Like, maybe this is normal, but I kept seeing something fly around. And, you know, most people probably would think bird. Right. But... For some reason, it immediately like freaked me out. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, "Do do birds not fly at night? Do I have I never seen this before? Is Wait. that why I'm like freaking out?" Do
1: you and think? then,
0: <laughs> <I don't> no. <know. laughs> so, I'm like sitting there looking at this thing, and it keeps getting like it keeps flying close and then away. And I'm like, in my head, what I'm thinking is, "This is a fucking bat." A
1: bat, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> and. I don't know what bats... I know the movies with bats. Bats turn into fucking vampires. Yeah. But I'm just like, do I need to get away? For, like, should I not be sitting out here right now? Right. And um, I'm really... I'm just sitting out there. And literally, the thing got, like, so close that, like, I fucking nearly tripped, like, <laughs> running inside, like, over myself. Uh, I was like, oh, shit. And, like, <laughs> dipped back inside.
1: Oh, um, man. So, yeah.
0: So, hopefully, I mean, I don't know. So, apparently, I might have a bat at this uh complex. I don't know.
1: And I have um, a, a Demogorgon in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I guess we both have had our run-ins with some Berman. Um, All righty. Well. But you know what's a good way to get our mind off of that?
1: Some Talking <laughs> talk a little
0: MMA, Dominic. <laughs>
1: yes, sir. Yes, sir. So,
0: before we get into kind of the fights that are going on this weekend, we got one – Pretty good fight announcement to talk about here. It's happening Mm -hmm. at UFC 266 on September 25th. The eighth-ranked lightweight of the world, Dan Hooker. We ain't seen him since his unfortunate knockout loss to Michael Chandler that started the year off hot. He's back, and he's going up against the unranked, but on the way up, Nazrat Hockperest. Dominic, this fight came out of nowhere, I would say, for both of us, and... I would like to think the majority of the fan base uh, felt similar as well. Do you have any thoughts, I guess, maybe why this fight got booked or just your thoughts on the fight itself? Um, I know I have my theories based on some of what I was reading, but if you want to elaborate on yours.
1: Uh, I'll let you go on ha- like why you think the fight came about, and I'll mm. go with the stylistic matchup here. It's honestly pretty intriguing, but like you said, it's super random because you have a top 10 guy and Dan Hooker pretty big name really for the lightweight division against a surging prospect. That's not even ranked right now in NASRAT, but we know that this guy's a stud and has a lot of potential. So if you're him, this is a, I mean, this is a win-win here. Even if you go out and lose, you're still getting a big platform. You're fighting a top 10 guy. You have nothing to lose. But for Dan Hooker, this is quite a risky fight in my opinion, because not only is it a tough stylistic matchup, but again, when it's someone that has no rank is a young prospect, they could snatch that ranking right off from under you should they win. And then he would be left in a very odd spot. So in that sense, it's a very interesting fight for both of their career trajectories and the fight itself, dare I say, should be a banger. I mean, when isn't hooker in one anyways, and it's a real tough test to see how good Nazrat really is.
0: Yeah. I saw a few theories. Um, this is getting into maybe why this fight came about, how random, despite how random it is. Um, you know Dan Hooker. It was kind of documented that his, you know, since he is from, is it New Zealand, Australia? New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the quarantine period to, for one, go to the United States and then to then turn around and go back, or was that fight was that fight in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, it was. The last
1: one was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: but regardless, the quarantine period to go in and out of the country for New Zealand is pretty steep. Yeah. Um, even in comparison to w- what a lot of countries are doing. And there's a lot of countries that are implementing that kind of stuff. So he got knocked out by Michael Chandler in like less than three minutes. Yeah. So it was a very tough loss for him because then he had to quarantine for like two more weeks or something. Didn't get to see his family for essentially over a month. Um, just a really tough time for him. His teammate, Alexander Volkanovsky, is on this card. And mm-hmm. a title fight with Brian Ortega. A lot of people think maybe because those two will be able to quarantine together, that there will be um, that that might have been the reason why he wanted to be on this card. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened Hawk Press was really the only guy willing to step up on that weekend. Um, that does make sense to me. I just, I, I like that Dan Hooker wants to stay active. You know, yeah. I think this is the proper time for him to come back um it's a big opportunity for Hawk Press a guy who has been given maybe an opportunity or two in the past to kind of crash into that top 15 and maybe slipped up a little bit or maybe looked a little underwhelming but overall he's still a very good prospect maybe not a prospect on the level of you know Fizayev or sorry you know some of those guys but he is definitely a guy that i think has the potential to be a very good top 10 lightweight for sure And Dan Hooker, while on a two-fight losing streak, and it could have been easily three if that – him and Felder. um, Yeah. That was a very iffy decision. But when you really go into those fights, the only fight that really looks bad is the Chandler loss. Before that, he had a fight of the year with Dustin Poirier, who most have enshrined as the basically uncrowned champion of this division, um, which I don't think is fair. But still, that shows you, like – I mean, he nearly beat Poirier. Yeah. Poirier had to come back in that fight, and and then you go before that, the Felder fight was really good, even though I think you, you could go either way on those scorecards. I think more people probably think Felder won, but still, um, regardless, I liked the fight. Once I kind of you know let it simmer a little bit, yeah. but it, was, it did feel very random mm-hmm. at first, and um, it is a risk for Hooker, but when you're on a two-fight losing streak and you know, not a lot of those big fights you want aren't calling right now. You kind of right. need to go out there and, you know, this could be a blessing in disguise. If he can go out there and put on a awesome performance, then maybe a big fight will be in store for him in the future. Maybe a Tony Ferguson fight or someone like that. Sure. Um, but there is the risk that he also takes another bad loss. And, you know.
1: This one I, could really set him back, you know, if could, he were to lose. It
0: could, but uh, still like the fight. I like that it's added to that card. UFC yeah. 266 is looking to be a banger, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about that one. Um, moving on from the fight announcements, we do have a little bit of news talking about Mister GSP. Yeah, he's retired, but he did have a very interesting conversation with Ariel Helwani's renewed or rebranded or re reimagined MMA Hour. It's yep. back and. You know they've talked about a lot of things, but the the topic that I want to talk about here is about this planned thriller boxing bout that GSP was uh, supposedly and based on his interview, it appears interested in that against Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. um, Unfortunately for GSP, he is still to this day under contract with the UFC. I believe he still has two more. Yeah, one or two more years. He said. Well, it's bouts. It's not even years. So like he would have to fight that many more times in order to get out of that contract. Um, He said that he went to Dana White, even tried to enlist the help of Lorenzo Mm Fatita, because Lorenzo was very much on board with that kind of fight, but Dana still nixed it. And, you know, even though we're talking about this, I almost look at this as being a bit of a non-story. Like I saw some people, you know, anytime something negative about Dana White comes out, people just, like a herd, they just yeah. go to it and shit on him. And, you know, I'm not saying the guy's perfect by any means, but here, like, I don't know what you guys are expecting. I mean, Dana White and Oscar De La Hoya's back and forth has been well documented. (laughs) In your, like, if you don't know about it, then I just don't think you've been paying attention because it's been on ESPN. Um, This goes all the way back to when McGregor and Mayweather had their boxing bout and De La Hoya called it, like, a disgrace to the sport. Yeah, And, you know, Dana has called him a lot of names and De La Hoya has said a lot of things back. De La Hoya was the one that uh, the promoter in charge of the trilogy bout between Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. So there was a lot of bad blood there. It's not a good relationship. So for anybody who would think that Dana, no matter what he, no matter what his relationship with GSP is, no matter how good or how bad it is, that he would be willing to help Oscar De La Hoya, either one, get a nice payday or two, potentially give him a chance to be one of his, if not his best fighter of all time. You guys are crazy. It just won't happen. What do you think, Dom?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was an interesting conversation just to kind of hear the back and forth of what went on behind the scenes on George's end and how he also even mentioned that um, he was trying to call Dana's bluff and how Dana had asked him, to, oh, do you want to fight Habib, though? But he wouldn't let him go do the boxing fight. And he was just going on and on about all these different stories. And again, we still don't know, and we'll probably never know the full extent of it. But it was just interesting hearing all of this. And for the boxing fight specifically, are we shocked at all that Dana wouldn't allow this to happen? I mean, no. Yeah. And then they even mentioned, I know Ariel had let a GSP know during the interview, that they had something similar come up with Chad Mendez. He was under contract still, but they let him go. To bare knuckle and like well chad mendoza is a great fighter and all but it's also not george st pierre and i doubt their contracts are anywhere close to the same so it's just there's a lot of differences there we're trying to compare um but it was an interesting conversation i feel anytime i get to see gsp come out and talk no matter how seldom it is there's always something really interesting to take away Mm -hmm. and it happened again here on the mma hour
0: yeah. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. You know, it's hard to even tell really how he's feeling about it. Yeah, Like, I mean, you, he's very clear and not really emotional in the way he speaks about it, but I'm assuming he's somewhat frustrated. I mean, he right. wants to challenge himself uh, boxing an all time great like De La Hoya, what that could do for his legacy. Potentially mm-hmm. he's just a combat sports athlete. Um, I'm sure that is intriguing and he apparently loved the pitch that Triller gave him, which Kind of surprises me. GSP is a very, has done a very good job of kind of transitioning out of fighting to being a bit of a businessman. Yeah, he does seem very successful on that end. And Triller, by several counts, has not been the most trustworthy. I, I don't <laughs> know if "trustworthy" is the right word. I mean, I, I I haven't heard anything about like not necessarily paying people or whatnot, but just you know, Mike Tyson was kind of their big get for a while when him and Roy Jones had their big match. Yeah. And afterwards Mike Tice said he had no interest in working with those people again. Right. But that doesn't tell you something like and there's just, you know, they don't seem to be like fighting fans, the the thriller people. They seem to be more in like a entertainment business. You know, they they have the circus fights, they spend unquote. all this money to get TikTok stars and YouTube yeah. stars and movie stars and music stars to show up and they have these all those music live performances yeah. and some people like it, I nah, not really my thing. Not your thing either, Dom. Right. Don't, we don't really, I don't really care about the pop and all that. Just, yeah. you know, I want to see people fight. But Yeah. Um I saw so I was a little surprised the GSP seemed to be kind of swooned over by the mm-hmm. people at Triller, but um it is interesting. I kind of wonder, you know, I there is maybe a little bit more to talk about when it comes to, I guess it does appear there probably was a little bit of politicking behind the scenes. It kind of, you start to point, you start to place the pieces yeah, and it starts to really make sense. You know, Um, not only did GSP want this fight with De La Hoya and Dana's like, well, how about a fight with Habib? Right. But then he turns around and probably went to Habib and Ali and said like, Hey, GSP wants to fight. Yeah. Then Ali, goes on one of probably what brett okamoto or someone and says like yeah we just got offered the gsp fight or something like that like you can kind of see all this stuff lining up to where yeah. it's like yeah you can tell they they really did not want gsp to go box for triller against oh yeah yeah and I, I again i'm i don't know what people were expecting it's I'm not saying you got to love the the business model side of it, the politics side of it. I I certainly don't love that part of it. But when it comes to, you know, anybody – I know people say business isn't personal and stuff like that, but there's one thing Dana has shown is that he does take his business very personally. Oh, yeah. And because of that, um, there was no chance that this was going to happen, especially not going to happen where Dana doesn't get a piece of anything involved. That was a big – reason for why mcgregor mayweather happened
1: because they were involved with it yeah, and
0: it, you know it's just i think it's a bit of a non-story but still worth talking about at the same time like i think the actual outrage while i haven't seen as much as a lot of dana stories um it's still enough to where it was like okay let's clear the air but again beyond maybe the politics side of it. I really just don't think there's much here than what's on the surface. You know, yeah. Just, it it is was just
1: it, it was nice to see it from George's perspective and like putting it all out there, you know. Agreed.
0: And I do understand his frustration. Yeah. yeah. You know, But you signed the contract, like I mean that's one oh one, you know, that's that's what happens usually. Right. So let's uh transition here to some actual fights that are going on this weekend starting with the UFC, and this is UFC Vegas 34. 34. Yes. We got an interesting headliner here because, as the headliner, as the (laughs) the headline uh, states, middling middleweights look for bounce backs, and that's because number three ranked Jared Cannonier goes up against the number nine ranked Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin, of course, stepping in for a second straight time in as many bouts for Paulo Costa and that yeah, was originally yeah. who was supposed to be here. So now it's Kelvin and Cannoneer. Um, What's kind of interesting, Dominic, about you know that was that headline was like immediately what I thought when I saw this matchup. But you know, really, Cannoneer's just lost the one fight to Robert Whitaker. I think That's what true. makes him middling, and he's only ranked, I mean, he's still ranked third.
1: Yeah, you know, he's
0: right there. I think what makes him middling is the fact that he has taken a dip and being active yeah. in the last couple of years. So like that loss to Whitaker has kind of set him back a lot. You know, he was, if he would have beat Whitaker, he probably would have already fought for the title.
1: Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, we knew that from Adesanya. He's like, if you go out and beat him, I want you. That's who Izzy wanted to fight. He
0: would have beat him. He he would have faced Adesanya rather than Blachowicz. That probably would have been the headliner of that card. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, you know, in uh, itself, (laughs) but that's not what happened. And instead, he does lose pretty uh, somewhat decisively, did have a bit of a, a rally in the third, but yeah. ultimately just too little too late. So now he's here with Gastelum, who Gastelum's had a bit of his own uh, journey since you know, that fight of the freaking decade with Adesanya.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, at, coming off that fight, he's n- it's not been great for him. Had back-to-back losses after that to Stephen Thompson, and then the weird one with Jacker Manson. Yep. Yeah. Um, he did come back and beat Ian Heinish, but, you know, that was a a definite step back compared to those other guys. Yeah. And then when he went tried to go back up and face Robert Whittaker, again, Sheesh. short notice, Robert Whittaker put on an awesome performance. Yeah. A fight that Kelvin wasn't necessarily out of, but he was a, at least a step and a half behind every yeah. step of the way. So he's kind of just still right here, you know, middling. You know, yes. that's That's, again, where this is. And I just I I, I'm struggling because it feels like people really want Kelvin to like succeed here, and like if he wins, it feels like this is really gonna be huge to catapult him maybe back into top five. Oh yeah. While for Cannoneer, I don't get those same that same level of interest from people. I I feel like a win here kind of just keeps. Obviously, he's fighting a guy lower ranked than him, but it feels like he kind of just stays stagnant. And who knows how many more wins it's going to take for him to even be looked at as a title challenger again. He is age is a factor for him as well. Yeah, 37. Yeah, 37. I mean, not easy. So, Dominic, with all that being said, what do you think of this matchup? And, you know, maybe if if you want to throw in who do you think has more to lose here or more to gain, then that would be good too.
1: Yeah. um, it, It is interesting because. I just want to start by talking about Kelvin, actually, because uh, this guy, this he's coming in. This is going to be his 20th UFC fight, and it just feels like ever since the day that he won tough, as an underdog, by the way, by beating Uriah Hall, he's always just fought and inched and clawed against the toughest of competition. This man deserves all the respect in the world. He'll show up on short notice. He'll fight the top five guys. He'll win some. He'll lose some, but he, he just never shies away from any competition and it's no different here stepping in on short notice. I mean, this one, not as short as the Whitaker fight, but still short notice um, to fight Cannoneer here. And I think for Jared coming off of that loss to Robert, where it was a very tough one for him. Cause like you had mentioned, he was three and oh at middleweight before that fight on his way to a title shot and then loses relatively convincingly. Uh, so both guys coming in off of losses to Robert Whitaker and Stylistically, it is an interesting matchup because Kelvin's kind of a guy that is good everywhere, and we saw that when he did have the bounce back win against Ian, he really utilized a great grappling game, which we hadn't really seen from him in quite some time. He's always typically just striking. Uh, And for Jared, kind of the same deal. I mean, probably not as great on the ground as Kelvin, but carries a lot of power in his hands, isn't afraid to get into a barn burner. I think it could play out to be – a pretty competitive bout because I just feel they're so closely compared, no matter if it's three versus nine, don't let the rankings fool you. I think this is going to be a lot closer and competitive in all aspects than what people may think.
0: I really think the, the, the result of this fight is going to be, there's going to be a lot to take away from, you know, I think, um, whether it's someone getting finished brutally or, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a war of a fight or whatever it is, I think no matter the result here, it's not going to be like a fight happened, nothing really to talk about. Like, I feel like both guys are clearly going to go in one direction or the other. Yeah. Depending on the result. And yeah, I mean when it comes to the actual style of the fight, Kelvin Gaslam has some great hand speed, Mm
1: -hmm. but Jared
0: Cannonier is going to be the faster guy in terms of, moving around the octagon. Kelvin is a bit flat-footed, a bit, yeah. you know, he does that. He's always had that kind of pudgy frame to him. Yeah. Um, so it will be an interesting battle there in terms of speed, because if they get into a firefight, I like Kelvin's chances with his, um, with the, the speed of his hands, but his combinations. Yeah. Cannoneer does carry power in his hands. Mm-hmm. He's just, Cannoneer is just going to be interesting to see how Kelvin looks to cut off it. If he'll be able to cut off the cage and things like that. Cause Cannoneer is very, Shows a lot of movement early yeah. on, especially. And it kind of carried, you know, in the Whitaker fight, he did that for all three rounds, even after he'd been battered a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to see how Kelvin, will Kelvin maybe implement some grappling, look to take it down. I would slow, like to think. Try to slow down Cannoneer a little bit, because the Cannoneer does kind of shoot out like a, like a missile, you know. Um, but it is a good fight. It's a good headliner for this otherwise pretty unremarkable uh, card for the UFC. And, um, you know, there are some – it does feel like a fight that matters, which is what you want.
1: Yeah, and I'll be curious to see also, too, just because it is the main event, how the five rounds will come into play. Because you'd like to think it would probably favor Gasol being that we've seen him go there, whether it's in a losing effort or not. He's always in the fight, no matter how long it goes. And for Jared, going to be kind of his first uh, potential – Shot at going to rounds four and five should it go past the third. So um that's just a whole other outlier that potentially weigh in one person's favor. So a lot mm-hmm. of intangibles. The styles really clash very well in this one. I'm excited.
0: Let's get into about a little lower on our main card for this one. This should be the co-main event, in my opinion, but it's not. Yeah. Our flyweights are being stepped on again, Dominic.
1: I can't wait but, for this one. But we're
0: going to give them their respect here. This As is the always. fight for us. Number three ranked Alexandre Pantoja and number six, Brandon Roy Val. Raw Dog is right. back.
1: Oh,
0: So these two guys have great been, fight. have had great, basically the whole last year has been great for them. I know Roy Val had a bit of a, you know, slip up with Moreno where shoulder popped out of place yeah. and, you know, that sucked. But the fact that Roy Val had basically risen from literally unsigned to, Potential title shot challenger within yep. a few months, I think, speaks a lot. And he still is right there, but Pantoja has been on a very impressive run. Ever since he had that pretty brutal loss to Perez last summer, the guys looked phenomenal. I mean, the fight with Manel Cape, that was... He looked so good. And, you know, I know Manel Cape has not had the best of runs in the UFC so far, but Manel Cape is still a very good fighter. Yes. And Pantoja neutralized him. That's the only way you can say it kind of neutered him the <laughs> yeah. three rounds. And here that's kind of what I'm for Roy Val, I'm a little bit worried about. Roy Val is a much younger fighter, less experienced. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he does make mistakes sometimes. Um, you know, his record's not super clean because he gets to a lot of really fun fights, you know, a lot of wars. But a lot of that's because he doesn't fight smart sometimes. He right. He tends to kind of if he hurts someone, he just looks to like pounce. You know, he's a he is a true fighter in the sense of sometimes he doesn't really use up here. He just kinda yeah. he just uses the fist, you know. And it's worked really well for him in the UFC for the most part so far. The Moreno loss didn't have anything to do with that. That fight with Kai kara France was awesome. Mm -hmm. that was a fight again where he got caught a few times by Cara France and just was able to end up getting a submission victory here. Pantoja doesn't really play those games, man. He's a very smart fighter, very well-equipped to go the distance. Yes. Um, I also haven't noticed Roy Val using a ton of leg kicks, which we've seen as a, something that could really hurt Pantoja. And so I don't think that's really going to be a factor here. I guess, um, Roy Val, if this fight goes to the ground, I'll be interested to see who kind of who really gets the edge there because Roy Val's very talented in submissions, but yes, he's Panto an ace. Pantoja, no slouch either. And then when this fight's on the feet, I feel like I like Pantoja here. I, I think agree. his te- his technical side is just a bit too educated, I think, for Roy Val, who likes to get into some brawls, you know, yes. from time to time, but I don't think he quite uh, can hold up in a tip for tat with a guy like Pantoja on the feet. What what are your thoughts here? And is the winner potentially looking at a title shot after this, Dominic?
1: I think if it's Pantoja, I definitely think a title shot could be next. Uh, I know he's got some history with Moreno, and of course Roy Val does too. So it could potentially be uh, that way for either guy. Stylistically, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Where on the feet, I do lean toward Pantoja. I think just the way that he – the way he looked against Cape, I feel, should be the game plan he wants against Raw Dog. Because if he tries to go out and get into a firefight with Roy Val, while he could find success, it could also get pretty hairy. Because Roy Val is going to land shots, too. Mm. If it is on the ground, I agree with you as well that it goes to Roy Val in that favor. So that makes this fight so much more interesting. And Pantoja has a submissions of his own. Both these guys love to finish fights. This is the perfect matchup to kind of put these top six guys to the test. I love that Roy Val, you know, kind of gets rewarded with staying in the top five in terms of an opponent after his loss to Moreno. And then you just look at what Brandon has done since. So it just makes more sense for Roy Val anyways. And it's a huge test for both guys. Cam Pantoja string together some wins now, finally reached the cusp of this division that he's really been a staple in since it started, you know, many years ago. And Roy Val, while still new, not the shiniest record at 12-5, and has shown that he can compete and beat top 10 guys already. Can he add one more to his mantle on his wall? I I can't wait for this fight. It's unfortunately the first fight of the main card. It should be, like Noah said, the co-main. I'm very, very excited. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, um, when it comes to Roy Valla, you're right. I do kind of like that he sort of got rewarded for, you know, really what he has kind of accomplished already so far. Yeah, he had the tough – that lost to Moreno kind of sucked just because – Yes, Moreno won the round, but the shoulder pops out of place. You know, it's – but at the end of the day, that's that's very similar to like a – in some ways, not as one-sided, but it's a bit like McGregor-Poirier in a way. Um, so I got to give him credit for a win. You know, I'm not going to
1: – Well, and Marino actually at least finished the fight technically though. No, he didn't. I, I thought, thought it was it a TKO to... like in the round.
0: I thought – well, maybe it was. Yeah, we may probably, need fact-check. You're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> um so yeah. yeah, regardless, I like that he's still being given a chance to kind of prove top five. But it also worries me a little bit because mm-hmm. you know a loss here, and it's like man, it, that's a tough road back. Just because this division's not super deep by any means, uh, there's not a ton of guys in the flyweight division. So therefore, you're not seeing a lot of new guys rise to the top. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, the guys that are up here have, you know, don't get me wrong. There are some younger guys up here. I mean, Moreno being this high is somewhat, I mean, even uh, uh Alex Perez is a newer guy, mm-hmm. but all in all, like you kind of expect the guys that are at the very top right now to remain at the top for a while. Yeah. So Roy Val could potentially have two losses to your one to the champion and one to potentially the next title challenger. So it, it just sets him back pretty a good amount, but he is young enough, talented enough to where he could easily make his way back. We thought him kind of being shot up to care France was a bit risky, and he passed that test, and then yeah. Moreno seemed like a big jump up, but you know didn't quite pass that one, but again, there was enough. Regardless, I love the fight that's all that really matters i think it's going to be a fight that really steals the show here it opens up the main card probably gonna be up there for fight of the night i mean it might be it might not be a war oh, yeah but when raw dog gets involved you just never know so um you know that's that's pretty much it for this fight though truthfully it's and really for the, this card the rest of the card like it's there's not a ton here. We actually decided not to talk about any. Yeah, we don't have as a
1: rest category. Do yeah, we today? I mean,
0: you do have Clay Guida in the co-main event, but, you know, it, he's fighting Mark Madsen, I think is his name. And yeah. Mark Madsen's looked okay, but I don't know. It's like, is it, Clay Guida's a legend, but is he really someone you want to talk about anymore? Like, I don't know. It's, that fight doesn't really move do anything for me.
1: Right, right.
0: So we're gonna hop over into Bellator because yes, that's right. We do have Bellator action this weekend, but unfortunately, this card's worse <laughs> than the UFC one. Which, I mean, that's a high bar to to expect Bellator to reach
1: every week. But true,
0: um, it's not a great card. Uh, just look at that headliner. Old dogs shine bright in South Dakota.
1: My favorite part about it is that it's <laughs> happening in South Dakota, to be honest. Like, that, I want to hop on a plane right now and go to this fight.
0: No disrespect to anybody who listens or watches from South Dakota, but not typically a place you would expect to see some MMA. I know. And not high-level like MMA. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like it. But Bellator 265 happening Friday. Yes, so the, the day, day you're you, The was... uh, day you're hearing or watching this. Your headliner is a fight at heavyweight with the number three ranked Czech Congo, that's right, Czech Congo, 46 years old.
1: Yes. Yeah. Is
0: going up against the 41 year old Sergei Karatonov. This is technically Karatonov's, I believe, third stint in Bellator. He yes. tends to kind of fight once or twice in Bellator, then he kind of bounces and then comes back. And he uh, comes back. And so back. that's why he's technically unranked but probably falls right in there with Congo at this point. Mm-hmm. So this fight's interesting because yeah, you have two yeah. two guys that are well past their primes. You know, Karatonov has probably showed a little bit more that he has left in the tank, but Chet Congo, see, like, you could just tell he's not the freak that he was you know, back in his prime with UFC, but he's still kind of... Has been making a decent run here in this very yeah. thin Bellator heavyweight division. Um, he headlined our first card in Paris. Uh, that was in a losing effort, I believe, against Tim Johnson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but here he is against Karatonov in South Dakota. And I guess here, Dominic, all I really want from this fight is I just don't want it to put me to sleep. Right. <laughs> is that? Is that? I, I, and I say that I don't want to be mean. It's just. You know how how high of expectations can you really have when the combined age of the entrance, like you said, was eighty seven years old. It's it's a tough tough fight to to expect like fireworks out of, but you do have the grappler more heavy and Karatonov and uh, more of for Congo. He's a bit more striking, but also a bit more um, clinch heavy. So. You do have some interesting battles that this fight goes into the clinch a lot. Will yeah will um, be able to land some of those knees that he's notorious for? Or will Keraton be able to kind of take him down? But beyond that, I just hope this fight doesn't put me to sleep.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe someone goes to sleep in the fight, or maybe someone goes to sleep watching. Again, you don't see matchups like this very often with two guys so you know, up there in the age in terms of still competing and just veterans of the fight game for years and years. As no mention, Chet Congo used to be, you know, a perennial guy in the heavyweight division in the UFC. When he came over to Bellator, I mean, he's 12-3 and three in the promotion. He's been great all in his 40s, which is impressive. But it's just, it's not the same guy, and you still see that when he goes out there and fights. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it goes. Also, being that it is a five-round main event, I would like to think it favors Congo simply because he's been in a lot of drawn out decisions, whereas Sergey he's either gonna finish you early or he's gonna get finished, so it could very well go into Czech's favor the longer the fight goes. We know he still has the power so he can obviously land shots. Can Sergey land the takedowns and not only get the takedown, but can he hold a guy like Czech Congo down for a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time? So there's a couple fun intangibles to the fight. maybe it's fun. Maybe it's not, but it's the Bellator headliner we had to talk about.
0: It. All I want is that it, I just don't want it to put me to sleep. I Fair want enough. to enjoy. I want I want to be able to stay up late. You know, it's not a school night. It's not a work night. That's true. I want to That's stay true. up late on Friday.
1: You want to party with the boys and girls in South Dakota? <laughs> yeah,
0: Exactly. But uh, nothing else to really talk about on that Bellator card. Again, not the most um, extensive list of fights to that really excite us for. This weekend, but some definite ones that you guys should look to check out. uh, Even on that UFC card, you kind of, you have a sandwich there. Yeah. Shit sandwich, if you will, of uh, the bread is fantastic. Your opening bout on that main card, flyweight's going at it. We love that fight. Main event, really good at middleweight. And then you have a lot of shit in the middle. Mm -hmm. Some of that shit might end up tasting pretty good. Some of it might end up not.
1: That was an interesting (laughs) analogy. (laughs)
0: Uh, while the Bellator card, you know, it's just
1: the rest of it's kind of whatever. But
0: that's it for the MMA weekend preview. Yeah, a bit a bit a slow week. slow week, you know. But yeah. I, uh, give us your thoughts on the fights happening this weekend. And then uh, next week will be a two-episode week. So we'll be coming back to you on Monday with a recap. Hopefully some shit goes down this weekend. And we
1: can- yeah, and we'll get to talk about the PFL. It's happening right now as we're recording, so obviously we can't yeah, review Thursday card. I
0: should have mentioned that, you know, since this is happening on Thursday, right. people are listening right. and watching on Friday, so they might be expecting a recap for PFL, but again... We'll
1: put that with Monday's yeah. I so I'll be
0: on Monday because we're recording this at like 6, 7 o'clock right now. Yes,
1: and, the prelims so, are starting. <laughs> yeah, so...
0: Regardless, uh, we'll see you guys on Monday. But, Dominic, till then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCLE 14. More importantly, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. Go follow us, interact with us, engage with us. We got polls. We got uh, uh, video clips. We got (laughs) Instagram stories. We got all the fun stuff. Yeah, anyways, Noah, go ahead
0: and tell them. Wow, they really sold our social media very well uh, there. You, you'll, you'll fill them in <laughs> on all the links, right? Yeah, the links to the links here. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for me, if you go to Twitter or Instagram, at N.T. Baker, never, ever, ever forget the underscore. That's, again, at N.T. Baker underscore. There's a link in my bio that'll lead you to the link tree, which mm. provides you with links to yes. all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media platforms. So the Twitter, the Instagram, YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there. And there's a couple of links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. Shout out. If you want to leave a voice message, you can do it there. Give us your thoughts on these fights.
1: Or what I'll was in my in... backyard. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> if you want to ask us a question or anything, you can do it there as well. And we'll feature it on the show. Um, also, there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. I did do my laundry, so I don't necessarily need the uh, seventy-five anymore. But if you guys would like to leave that minimum $1.99 uh, donation, or more. then I can do another load of laundry. And that would just be <laughs> fantastic. So, yes. um, again, you can find all that Twitter, Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, but that's it. We're out, and we'll see you all on Monday.